your daily dose of debate, breaking news, and uncensored views. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day, President Biden says, for proving the magical power of the presidential office. Literally, by just a snap of the fingers, he is canceling some $300 billion worth of debt. Canceling debt all over the country, making it disappear. How does that work, exactly? Okay, when you cancel a debt, usually you cancel the debt because you've paid it off. If you haven't paid it off, how do you cancel a debt? You deadbeat it. And that is what President Biden is encouraging and, in fact, claiming for uh, literally millions of people who owe money on their college loans. I, I'm 100% certain that there are many, many people listening to, m to me right now who took out college loans in order to attend college or university or graduate school, and you paid it off, which is what most people do. About a third of all college loans right now are behind or they're in default or they are having a tough time making their payments. What this new plan does that the president is taking forever to announce and to explain, and this is this is classic Biden. It's it's not hateful exactly. It's just massively incompetent and incoherent. And uh, again, in in his statement that he's still wandering on about, we'll play you the highlights and the particularly relevant elements. We're also going to be speaking to a progressive. Yeah, that's right. Uh, ben Ritz, who is uh, a director of the Progressive Policy Institute's Center for Funding America's Future, he has a piece opposing this idea of snapping the presidential fingers and then without congressional approval, by the way, without consultation of Republicans or any other point of view, the president is basically saying we're going to let folks who earn up to 125000 a year. And by the way, most of the coverage doesn't feature this, but the material from the White House says it's $125,000 a year or less. But if you're a couple, if it's a household, uh, you uh, and you've taken out money, um, maybe both of you have, that uh, uh, means you can go up to $250,000 a year in income. Now, I'm sorry, the idea that he says this is all for working class and struggling Americans, if you're earning as a young couple starting out in life 250 grand a year, or say 240 grand to put yourself a little bit below, you're doing pretty well. And, and the idea of uh, this kind of lopsided plan, the idea that this is, first of all, it's just so clearly an election gimmick. We're going to be speaking to a, a senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute who uh, has something to say about the election year gimmicks that Chuck Schumer and uh, President Biden are putting forward. Is this going to work? Historically, it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, by the way, there were lots of um, primaries last night, some of them very interesting, some of them very unexpected. One of them particularly delightful to me with its outcome, one of the worst people in American politics. I mean, really, really a bad guy. 
ultra leftist uh, Republican hater and uh, radical uh, got got wiped. His attempt at a political comeback in Florida. <laughs> no, he lost to uh, a guy who was being billed as the first uh, community activist, Generation Z, 25 year old. He's sort of a uh, Democratic answer to Madison Cawthorn, who will not be back in Congress. He lost his primary. Uh, 1-800-955-1776. By the way, if anybody out there is particularly eager to defend the president's program, here's the essence of the program. Okay. It uh, says in a report uh, from the uh, New York Times, uh, President Biden announced today that he would cancel $10,000 in student loan debt for Americans earning less than $125,000 per year, capping months of anticipation over a campaign promise to provide economic relief to millions of people. Mr. Biden extended a pandemic-era pause on loan payments until the end of the year. It has been in effect since March of 2020. Quote, in keeping with my campaign promise, my administration is announcing a plan to give working and middle-class families breathing room as they prepare to resume federal student loan payments in January 2023, the president said in a, a Twitter post outlining some details of his plan. I why didn't he use Truth Social? I, I don't, don't understand it. Well, in any event, he did Twitter. Uh, Mr. Biden also said those with undergraduate loans would be able to cap their payments at 5% of their monthly discretionary income a change that could significantly reduce bills for millions of borrowers, about 20 million, actually. And what this means is that, again, regardless of the loan that you took out, and, and some of the people that they feature in this article who are praising this to the skies because they're going to be saving big money are people who owe $50,000 in student loans. Uh, there's a woman who owns $50,000 to Spelman College. The, the point about this is that if you've accumulated that kind of debt and uh, it, you're, you're working off and you're paying it off month by month by month, uh, what is the national priority that goes to paying this off for you? Especially at a time when a minority of Americans and it's a very decided minority, or the people who end up getting college degrees. Uh, secondly, some of this, and a great deal of this, will go to relieve people who borrowed money but didn't get any college degree. And uh, the, in terms of the debt that, uh, that people owe, they owe debt on lots of things. Uh, they uh, say across the United States there are 45 million people who owe $1.6 trillion for federal loans taken out for college, more than they owe on car loans, on credit cards, or any consumer debt other than mortgages. Mortgages are still more. Uh, many Democrats have argued that debt forgiveness is necessary to identify and uh, address racial disparities in the economy. But critics say widespread debt forgiveness is unfair to those who've already tightened their belts to pay for college or to pay off their loans. And Republicans and some Democrats contend that it will add to inflation 
by giving consumers more money to spend. By the way, it's not just Republicans and Democrats who say that. Uh, ben Ritz, who's going to be joining us from the Progressive Policy Institute, has six reasons, and they're all solid. They're all impossible to argue against. You can call us if you want to try. Six reasons why this debt forgiveness is a terrible idea. Uh, 1-800-955-1776 is our phone number. We will get to the heart of uh, this issue and why I believe that President Biden, with his stumbling presentation today, by the way, there was part of it that was almost impossible to follow, where he was describing a recollection where he was going out to baseball practice and he was driving into the car dealership where his dad worked and he was sitting on a towel for a seat cover and wearing his baseball uniform and he came up to see his dad and his dad said I'm sorry Joey I'm sorry I tried to get a loan but I couldn't get a loan uh, to send you to college well he went to college he went to University of Delaware uh, in nearby where he lived, in Newark, Delaware. Uh, that entire story, which took <laughs> a great deal to unwind, we'll try to parse it in its deeper meanings and more coming up on The Medved Show. Michael Medved show the long-awaited the big debt forgiveness plan it is now underway it is launched there will apparently be some attempts to block it in court because after all it's hard to imagine even with all of the powers that our founding fathers invested in the president of the United States that he gave the president the soul the discretionary power to simply cancel indebtedness uh, who's left holding the bag the answer is the government taxpayers I mean really and uh, again President Biden of course is very eager to say that this is a promise kept that this is a remarkable transformation that for giving this ten thousand dollars in debt that is in total indebtedness uh, and it's for borrowers who are earning up to $125,000 a year. Anything less than that, boom, you got the money. What uh, they're suggesting is that uh, no one in the top 5% of the country, and that, of course, is a group that is very much overrepresented in terms of attending college, but anyone in that situation... Uh, you will still have the college debt, whatever it is that you uh, determine to take on. And and again, they uh, they in the New York Times, they focus on a uh, a spokesperson named Mary Pat Hector, who was a graduate student at Georgia State University and an activist who was pushed for loan forgiveness. Uh, Ms. Hector is 23. She's a graduate student, so I suspect she's earning 
whatever she earns, well below 125000 a year. So she'll be able to cash in for ten grand. But is this going to change her life in some kind of fundamental way? Uh, she says uh, they were told, students, vote because your life depends on it. She is 23. She has $50,000 in loans from Spelman College. And then we're here on the ground months away from midterm elections, and people in these communities are wondering, well, does my vote really matter? Uh, does this really matter in influencing votes? Here is part of what President Biden said trying to explain this program. The President of the United States just moments ago, listen. Using the authority Congress granted the Department of Education, we will forgive $10,000 in outstanding federal student loans. In addition, students who come from low-income families, which allowed them to qualify to receive a Pell Grant, will have their debt reduced $20,000. Both of these targeted actions are for families who need it the most, working and middle-class people hit especially hard during the pandemic, making under $125,000 a year. You make more than that, you don't qualify. No high-income individual or high-income household on top of the 5%, in the top 5% of incomes, by the way, will benefit from this action, period. Okay, uh, again, this is a big argument for the action. You wonder about this. Uh, is there a program like this that people have pushed for to uh, help people who are struggling to keep up their mortgages or struggling to accumulate a down payment so they can even hope to buy a house? The, the point is not every American should or does go to college. It is a minority of Americans that earn four-year college degrees. And the fact that they don't condition the repayment of loans on actually completing a college degree. See, the loans are already underwritten. In other words, when you're talking about federally guaranteed, federally backed loans, uh, they are already loans that the federal government is paying for to, to help you get those loans in the first place, sometimes at very advantageous terms. And... I, do I feel personally annoyed at this? I do, uh, because, well, look, I did not, I, I, I was a National Merit Scholar when I was in college, and uh, my wife also got some scholarship help, but she, completing all those years of graduate school and master's degree and PhD and all that, when we got married, which was a while ago, uh, she came with some college debt, but it seemed to me to it was a virtuous thing to to pay it off as soon as possible. And the the idea that all those people who have paid off their loans, all those people who have not gone to college and decided, you know what, I'm going to go into something else where I'm earning money and making a contribution and paying taxes right away. Those people are, in effect, penalized by this. And uh, it, uh, it that doesn't uh, stop Senator Elizabeth Warren, who has been pushing for this kind of thing, even more of it. I'm Total forgiveness. She wants the loans totally wiped out. Really great idea. 
but she still thinks this is a great day. Listen, Senator Warren from Massachusetts. My reaction is that this is a great day. Uh, that today is the day the president's going to announce that about 20 million Americans will never have to make another student loan payment. And another 23 million Americans will have significant relief on their student loans. You know, look, will I keep fighting for more? Of course I will. But look at what's happened. It is truly transformative for tens of millions of Americans. And what about the inflation that more people are worried about? Uh, this is uh, economics professor Mark Goldwine on CNN talking about the impact on inflation. This is clip nine. Yeah, that's sort of the catch-22 of this all. We could send everybody another round of checks to, to pay for their inflation costs, but that would actually make inflation worse. What we need to do now is get inflation under control. One of the easiest ways to do that is to ask people to start paying back the debt they already owe, to start making the principal payments that they're, they already agreed to. And by the way, while not, not everybody that has student debt is rich, disproportionately student debt is being held by people right. that have advanced degrees and pretty good income, and they can bear it a lot more um, you know, than everyday Americans that are seeing the cost of their gasoline and clothing go up. Yeah, giving this kind of extraordinarily expensive aid uh, to people who have borrowed money to train as lawyers or, or doctors or uh, business leaders with an M MBA, uh, again, it's, it's just profoundly unfair. And there's a very prominent progressive who thinks it's massively unfair. He's written a great piece. Everybody in the country ought to read it, frankly. It's six strong reasons why Biden's latest stunt, and I think it is a stunt, is wrong. Uh, ben Ritz, director of the Progressive Policy Institute Center for Funding America's Future, joining us moments from now. Joe Biden ran for president promising to bring Americans together across ideological lines, across party lines, across racial lines. Guess what? I think he's brought a lot of people together with this latest loan forgiveness plan, forget bringing people together in indignation and horror and revulsion at the stupidity and the cheap politics of it all. One of those voices I wasn't really expecting to hear is from the Progressive Policy Institute. Uh, ben Ritz is director of the Institute's Funding America's Future Project. And he wrote a piece for The Hill that, as I mentioned before, I think every single American ought to read. The piece is called Six Reasons Biden Should Not Cancel Student Debt. We are posting it to our website. Uh, ben, thanks for writing the piece and thanks for joining us on the show. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Well, it's a great pleasure. 
Okay, the six reasons. The second reason I think is going to strike many people as particularly powerful. Uh, and it says canceling debt for most borrowers is a giveaway to affluent households paid for by workers. How does this work, and why is this such a terrible idea? So the, the, the key stat I think everyone has to keep in mind is that only uh, 13% of Americans have any student loan debt whatsoever. Uh, and these are people who obviously have the, the benefit of a college education. The, the average American has no student loan debt, and, and many people don't go to college. They don't have those benefits. And so to, uh, to do mass debt cancellation is you're really only benefiting these people. And for everybody else, for people who, uh, who don't have those benefits and who don't have loans, they have to pay for the price of this policy through whether it's through inflation or higher taxes and spending cuts in the future. They're the ones who bear the cost of the policy. Well, and maybe you can explain then the first reason that you list, which is uh, mass debt cancellation undermines the Inflation Reduction Act and actually adds to the threat and the likelihood of further inflation. How does it do that? So I think that you, let, let's start with what the Inflation Reduction Act did and how it actually became the Inflation Reduction Act when the government runs a deficit it's pumping more money into the economy and that's more money that consumers are using to bid up the price of goods and services and when the economy is operating at maximum capacity like it is now that just results in more inflation and so what the inflation reduction act did was uh, in addition to a number of things that would expand supply a lot of really good policies for uh, energy production and lowering health care costs uh, it did significant deficit reduction, about $300 billion. And so that would help control prices. But what this move does, and it's actually what was announced today was even bigger than I think what we expected, um, this policy is going, this mass debt cancellation is going to increase deficits by uh, probably on the order of half a trillion dollars. And so it's going to spend more money uh, than the Inflation Reduction Act saves, which I think is not the direction we want to be going. And by the way, one of the other things, and I was listening to the president, and the president was not <laughs> not a model of clarity and force this morning. Uh, but one of the things the president talked about was that he is also going to be putting a cap on the amount of money people use for paying back whatever debt they still have. And the cap is not on the amount of debt you still have. It's a, a cap on the payments that you're making that are supposed to cap the amount of uh, a payment you will have at 10 percent. It, it won't it, – actually, it's 5 percent now. It was 10 percent. It's going to be 5 percent of your discretionary income. That means income beyond your food and your rent and your basic, basic necessities of life. So does this simply mean that there will be more delay in ever paying back the student debt? So I think that it's going to the, – the, the expansion of income-driven repayment is, is an interesting thing, and it's something we didn't see 
uh, it wasn't forecast ahead of the announcement. And what I think is particularly interesting about it, and I said this uh, at the at the end of my piece, is that it's actually a much better way to do debt cancellation because the way these income-driven repayments work is you make payments as a percentage of your income for a certain number of years, and then if you have a remaining balance at the end of the window, which is generally about 20 years, then the remaining balance is forgiven. And I think that 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 part of Biden's plan, I don't, it it might be a little more aggressive than what I would have liked to see. um, But I think the general structure of the income-driven repayment component uh, is actually a good thing. But uh, the flip side of that is if he's, he was going to do this, this good way of providing debt relief, that means that the remaining balance that is being canceled on top of it, the additional ten dollars to $20,000 per borrower, I think is even less justifiable than it would have been in isolation. Wow. Okay. What, what about the, the idea, as you say in your piece, Ben Ritz, and I'm speaking to Ben Ritz, director of the Center for Funding America's Future at the Progressive Policy Institute. One of the things you talk about is that this is money that is being funded by working people, many of whom never went to college, um, many of whom don't have children who are going to college. How is this an example of uh, sort of a progressive-style trickle-down economics? Um, can you rephrase the question? Yeah. I, I, I in in other words, you, you, what you've said is that uh, this is basically a giveaway, and it is, to uh, one group of people, people who have gone to college, who haven't paid off their college debt, who, are, who have, a, a, in some cases, extreme amounts of college and graduate school debt, but they are actually going to be getting money from contributions, both in terms of inflation and in terms of uh, taxes, from working people who never went to college. Yeah, I think it's definitely uh, an upwards transfer of wealth. I think it it would be fair to call the policy regressive. Um, And it's just not something that, I I, I mean, like you said, we're the the Progressive Policy Institute, and we don't think that this policy is particularly – uh, progressive. I know there have. I mean, it's interesting that you said uh, trickle down because one of the arguments that I have seen in favor of student debt cancellation is that if you cancel student debt, this relieves pressure for uh, this relieves pressure on borrowers. That's money that they can use to uh, go buy a home or, or do you know start a family, do other things, um, and that somehow that's going to be good for economic growth. But again, when we're in an economy like we are now where we're experiencing inflation, uh, that's actually not really what we want because more people bidding up uh, a fixed supply, that means prices are going to go higher and that the uh, consumption that they do is going to come at the expense of somebody else who, again, uh, didn't go to college. So I think I think it's it's not great from a progressive perspective there. You mentioned another uh, point in your six reasons, which is um, profound and important, which is that student debt cancellation, like what the president is doing today, distracts from the real problem. The real problem is college affordability. Okay, so what is what do you do about that? And isn't there a better investment you could make of the 
uh, $300 billion to $500 billion that they're talking about spending on this, couldn't they use that money for a more effective means of bringing down the cost of college in the first place? We will get to that and more with Ben Ritz of the Progressive Policy Institute coming up on The Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved Show, of course, Senator Elizabeth Warren is celebrating today. She's been talking um, about a loan forgiveness program for people who have taken out uh, loans for college and graduate school. She's been talking about that for a long time. I'm speaking about it. Not every progressive is celebrating. Uh, Ben Ritz is with the Progressive Policy Institute. He's written an important uh, article that has appeared in The Hill with six reasons Biden should not cancel student debt. If I can, there's a clip that we found, Ben, and it's from uh, the campaign of 2020, not so long ago. But uh, Senator Warren was talking uh, about precisely the kind of program the president has implemented today. And uh, She was approached by a constituent of hers who uh, came up and said, wait a minute, Uh, my daughter doesn't have any student loans. I've saved all my money, paid for her to go to college. Am I going to get any money back when everybody else is getting the money? This is what that clip sounds like. Listen. My daughter's getting out of school. I've saved all my money. She doesn't have any student loans. Am I going to get my money back? So you're going to pay for people who didn't save any money, so, and those of us that did the right thing get screwed. No, it's not even like that's screwed. Of course we so- did. My buddy had fun, bought a car, went on vacations, I saved my money. He made more than I did, but I worked a double shift, worked extra. My daughter's work, she was 10, so you're laughing. Yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. We did the right thing, and we get screwed. I appreciate that. Uh, we did the right thing, and we get screwed. Uh, ben Ritz, commentary? Um, I think that there are certainly going to be a lot of people who feel that way. Um, I think that uh, there are many times where the government will step in to solve a problem uh, that previously afflicted a lot of people, and it's going to feel unfair. Um, I think about, like, the Affordable Care Act, which prevented people from having uh, – from, from going into medical bankruptcies that uh, 10 years earlier – uh, someone in their situation would have, and so I think there is always this, this this reality that that whenever we do something to fix a problem in the future, it's going to be it's going to feel unfair to people who had to deal with that problem in the past. That said, um, I don't think that this is a particular. You know, that's one of the trade-offs you consider, and uh, it can be outweighed by the benefit of the policy if the problem you're fixing is significant enough. But again, uh, I don't think that this policy really qualifies for that because uh, most people don't have student loan debt, and the people who do 
have the benefit of a college degree that many people uh, who, you know, from their income and job opportunities, they have benefits that people who will be bearing the cost don't get. Okay, what about the idea that you raise in your piece in The Hill, which is that student debt cancellation is like a Band-Aid on the gaping wound of college just being way overpriced and unaffordable for most Americans. What do we really need to do about the college affordability crisis? So I think there are three way, three prongs to that, and one of them I would say Biden has actually sort of addressed with this plan. This is the income-driven repayment program. I think one of the one of the points that I raised is that this does nothing to help future borrowers uh, from ending up in the exact same position. And I think there is a very strong argument that what he is doing on the income-driven repayment side actually will help with that. Now, that said, uh, it doesn't address the underlying problem, which is the skyrocketing cost of college tuition. Uh, and I think this policy will actually end up making it worse because if you think that uh, your debt's going to get canceled – you're much more likely to take on more of it. And if students are feeling like the debt isn't something they're going to have to repay, the schools will feel confident to raise prices further, uh, and that's going to lead to more wasteful spending. And so we have to get the underlying cost of college under control. And so to that end, I would say there are a few things we can do. Number one, uh, President Biden announced today that he is creating a watch list of the schools that have the worst return on the invest on investment that their students have the highest outstanding uh, debt burden or the lowest incomes i think that needs to go a step further if we think if the government thinks that these are bad programs uh, with bad outcomes they shouldn't be continuing to cut loans to people to finance that program that they don't think is working so i think that's one step i think we should be looking at ways to make college more efficient so that could be looking at three-year degree programs. Um, I personally did a three-year degree program and found it very, uh, very uh, beneficial. Um, and that you know takes college costs and cuts them by a quarter right away. Uh, we can expand the use of AP uh, programs that allow students to start earning college credit in high school. That would further uh, cut the cost. And we could impose more accountability on schools. Uh, for what they're spending money on and how they're raising prices to cover uh, administrative bloat and other issues. So uh, that's what I would think needs to be the big part of the discussion on the college front. And then the final prong is we need to be providing more uh, post-secondary pathways to good jobs uh, that are more flexible and affordable than a college, than a traditional four-year degree. We should make it so people can get good jobs without having to go through uh, the higher education system because not everybody needs a traditional four-year degree. I know that in Germany, uh, and they've used the German example uh, as a uh, an example and maybe an inspiration for something we need to do here, they um, have apprenticeships that people uh, join in high school that train them to go directly from high school into a good job. And clearly, you agree with, I think, the assumption of a lot of conservative reformers who believe that the uh, college or bust mentality we have right now, sort of judging someone's life or someone's career or someone's decision as a complete uh, bust or a breakdown or, or flailing or nowhere, if you don't go to college, college 
is not, should not, must not be required for everybody, right? Yeah, and I think I think that's something that actually unites a lot of people on the right and the left. Um, I, President Biden has taken steps to expand apprenticeships. There were there were uh, apprenticeship programs in the Inflation Reduction Act, which I don't know if we can still call it that, but uh, that had that had programs for that. We there were programs in the bipartisan infrastructure bill, um, in the Chips and Sciences bill. So I think that it that is an area where there should be more common ground, but. Uh, there's a long way to go there, and the fact that we're still talking about, uh, you know, the college affordability problem mostly from a college student perspective, and not from the perspective of uh, this wide swath of workers who are doing jobs or would like to do jobs that don't require a college education. I think that that part of the debate um, is not getting the attention it deserves. Uh, and a- amen to that. Uh, in terms of generally the education debate, uh, one of the things that I-, I would imagine that your institution is big on is uh, the idea of a, a more effective way of delivering uh, secondary education, even primary education in the United States. There's no real reason we shouldn't be leading the world in education, and you will agree that we are not. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's more that we can be doing uh, on the on the high school and before high school education front, and I think this goes to you know, what I was saying about AP and IB programs. We can start getting people ready for the workforce today. I don't know that we want to go full on to the German model, and I, I think we're we're probably approaching the end here, so that that's a whole other conversation. Um, but I think there are absolutely steps we can take to give students more opportunities in high school to get ready for the workforce or begin their, you know, their college or college equivalent education, so they don't have to spend as much time and money actually in college. And uh, that absolutely needs to be a big part of the discussion. One one example there is if. We had more funding for these programs in high schools and uh, more requirements that colleges gave credit for them. Uh, I think that would go a long way. Uh, Ben Ritz, I appreciate it. Thank you for the open, free, fair, and frank discussion. Uh, Ben Ritz's piece, which is called Six Reasons Biden Should Not Cancel Student Debt, they're all worth considering and highly persuasive. Uh, When we come back, we're going to be talking to Kevin Kosar of a very different institution, the American Enterprise Institute, pretty different in political outlook from the Progressive Policy Institute. But uh, from AEI, he's going to be taking a look at the Democrats who may be fooling themselves about the midterms and about the impact of all of uh, Joe Biden's so-called legislative victories, which we will consider in this greatest nation on God's green earth.